0: Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today we're bringing you on a fabulous guest, Zamir Kazi, who started his career in real estate in 2013 after attending Florida State University, buying and flipping duplexes. He's now the CEO of ZMR Capital, where he's acquired over 1.5 Billion with a B of multifamily assets. And he's been the recipient of Streets 50 under 40 and is an active investor and board member of multiple early stage companies. So, Zamir, thank you so much for being here on the show today. I'm super excited to have you on. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me.
0: So, Zamir, can you share with us a little bit more about your background and how you got started with real estate? Yes.
1: Yeah, so, I grew up, born and raised in Orlando, Florida. Went to Florida State for pre-med. Average Indian family, you got to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, you know? And the last semester I decided that being a doctor is not for me. So I actually dropped out my senior year of my bachelor's and uh, came back home. Started working at a call center selling vacation packages for Hilton and Marriott and ended up kind of going off doing my own thing within the same industry. Saved up a little bit of money. And my father was like, look, you should invest in real estate. You know, that's how people build generational wealth. So I knew nothing about real estate. I called one of my best friends, Philip, and I said, hey, I want to buy some real estate. And he ends up finding me a $20,000 short sale in Lakeland, Florida. It was a complete dump. And I went on YouTube and learned how to renovate it on my own. And my now wife actually helped me renovate that unit, those two units. It took entirely too long to do, but we learned a lot and we fixed it up and sold it and then bought the other one next door and then bought the one next door to that. And then, you know, duplexes kind of turned into quads and then four turned into 20 and then 20 turned into 50 and so on and so forth. And we now have around 8,000 units that we own and we've got another 1,000 under contract. So we'll be around nine thousand units here shortly, and we've got around a billion and a half under management. Of that, we purchased around one point two billion in the last twelve months alone. So we've been very active, and but been at it for a while.
0: Wow, I have to ask though you were in pre-med in an Asian family and you dropped out your senior year. I can't even imagine what that whole conversation was like.
1: It was very contentious. My family was not very happy. Dad thought I was going to be a failure. He's like, this is it. There goes the family. Thankfully, things worked out and I love what I do. And I couldn't imagine how if things were different and I were to be a doctor. And it's funny because I'm so queasy now with blood. uh, (laughs) Really? Yeah. And so my wife split her finger the other day and she needed to get stitches and I couldn't even look at it. And I thought to myself, (laughs) being a doctor couldn't have worked out. It it just wouldn't have been good. (laughs) It was meant to be. (laughs) Yeah, it was meant to be for sure.
0: So when you bought that first property, you said it was $20,000 and you renovated it. And then did you... Purchased that through traditional loans? And was it through the savings that you had saved up, everything like that? Like, walk us through kind of how that first one went for you.
1: Yeah. So, funny enough, this is kind of when the great financial crisis happened. Getting loans was not easy back then, right? So, I think lenders were still very skeptical. I didn't have a track record. Thankfully, I was very frugal and I saved up enough money to buy the property cash. My credit wasn't great at the time and I'd started my own call center business. So I had a little bit of of money to invest. So was able to buy cash, renovated all cash. And I, honestly, I had to do that for a good amount of time. Most of the deals that I bought were cash. And I was very green. I didn't know anything and I really had no mentors at the time. So finding out structures for hard money and special types of financing, I just didn't know about it. I didn't have a financing background, right? So I kind of learned on the fly. Going backwards, I probably would have come up with some better structures and unique financing strategies to do it differently. But that was kind of the path that I went on. And so, yeah, I bought it all cash and fixed it up myself. And then once I, I'd say, built up a portfolio that was probably around, let's call it $500,000, $600,000 of all cash, I found a lender that basically gave me a blanket loan across their portfolio and took out the refinance the proceeds.
0: At what point after you were purchasing duplexes, quads, triplexes, and you continue to scale up and build up your portfolio, at what point did you decide that you wanted to do this full-time? Or was it just kind of like you were doing something else on the side and then real estate on the side? And then when did that kind of all come into fruition? And you're like, no, this is it. I'm going to go full fruition into real estate. This is where I'm going to focus on.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So I was still doing the vacation package stuff while I was, you know, investing in real estate, and the whole plan was just to create mailbox money. In my head, it was okay. Once I bring in ten thousand dollars a month, that's enough money for passive income. And the business kind of started to grow arms and legs in a mind of its own. And there came a point where I didn't have enough time to do both, right? And it was a crossroads. and we were actually managing ourselves which looking backwards, I probably wouldn't do again. But it was okay. Well, I can't do both of these. And where do I want to go? And I think for me, I love real estate. And it's something that it's no deal is the same. And I really genuinely love doing what I do. So it was an easy no-brainer for me. And again, I think the income that I was deriving from doing these deals was also surpassing my other gig
0: so you were buying all those properties up until like five hundred thousand dollar portfolio, all in cash, and that was just through your savings and the vacation rental job that you were working.
1: Yeah, so I had a partner too at the time, and so basically it was two hundred fifty k from him, two hundred fifty k from me, and we built up that money from selling the deal. So the first duplex that we bought was twenty grand and put in probably ten grand, so we were in it for thirty. We ended up selling it for ninety, not too much longer, so not too far out. I think within a few months. So you know, we built up seed money by just organically flipping deals, and I think starting back then, if I knew today what I know now, then I would have bought everything I could. You could basically close your eyes and pick anything on a map back then, and you would have great. So it was timing; it was a function of time. We got in at a great time where everything was super cheap, and things appreciated very quickly.
0: And one of the things you mentioned was the goal was just to create mailbox money, and $10,000 $10,000 of passive income was the initial goal. It's interesting. How did the $10,000 come about for you? Because $10,000 seems to be most everybody's like goal to begin with. They're like, I have to hit the $10,000 of passive income first. And that's like my first milestone that I need to meet.
1: You know, I think it's a nice even number, right? Uh, <laughs> for everyone, it's a good number to think of. I think, you know, it relates to about 120 grand a year, I think. Especially for it is a lot of money, right? When I started doing this, I was 24, and that's a lot of money for a 24 year old, right? It's kind of life changing, especially for passive income, right? So for me, that was the amount of my expenses at the time. And it was definitely just a number I had in the back of my head. But everything changes as you continue to go. You know, it's like, when I first started doing this, I think I had a, I remember I wanted to hit a hundred units and then a thousand units and then five thousand units. And then the number was ten thousand. I was like, well, you know, I'm going to stop when we hit ten thousand units. That's kind of the goal. And now I could never see myself stopping. That's another thousand units, you know? And so now I don't put a number on where I want to go and just keep working. Yeah.
0: So the whole entire time when you were building up your portfolio, scaling, was it just an upward trend for you and it just continued to multiply and grow year after year after year?
1: Yeah, but it took so long. I think a lot of people really, really kind of took off. I'd say right at 2020, at 2000, right when COVID happened, right? Because we started buying some bigger deals then and we were probably one of the only groups that was doing deals when everyone was scared and it paid off, right? But you know, we multiplied it by going from two to four, right? Then four to six. And I think... Over time, it starts to get bigger and bigger, but it'll take a long time to get to where we are about 10 years, you know, almost nine years to exactly to really hit that stride. But yeah, you know, the goal was really to try to do just a little bit more than we did the year before. Right. And we've just kind of stayed consistent with that and it's paid off.
0: What was it about your business model or how you looked at investing in real estate that helped to get you to where you are today? Because people could be in the in doing real estate for 10 years, but they might not see the same level of success that you and your business have been able to see. Like, what is it about your business that sets you guys apart? Or maybe was there a turning point in your business that you had actually seen a huge trajectory in your growth that really changed everything and helped you get to where you are?
1: Yeah. So I think there's been a couple of things. So, as I mentioned, I grew up in Orlando, Florida, and I don't come from a lot of money. You know, our family is not the, middle-class family, right? And whereas a lot of people have the benefit of raising money from friends and family or syndicating, I didn't. It was really my money, right? So I think of one turning point was networking, right? So moving to California. We moved to California uh, about seven years ago and when i came here it was an opportunity to kind of reinvent myself and just kind of get in there and i was the real estate guy right and started meeting a bunch of people and friends and just mentors right people that i surrounded myself with And as i mentioned earlier I have a little a college degree i didn't have a finance background right so i didn't know how to structure these deals how to find equity right and where to get it from to really scale like right? and again building that syndication network as well that was a big turning point for me just to learn those things and get a better network to start doing more and bigger deals. right? So we went from doing, again, the smaller 10, 20-unit deals So then we bought our first 100-unit deal. right? But I think once you start doing you know, the larger deals and you've got a couple of good deals under your belt in terms of track record and a full-term turnaround and exit, that means a lot to especially institutional investors. right? So we didn't get our first institutional investor until 2018, but I think once we did, right, and we started going in and out of those deals, things start really started to change. And then I think the second one is growing our team. We've now have 27 people I think Opco level and the first employee we hired was in 2018 as well when we got that institutional deal. So both of these things happened at the same time. But you can't do everything yourself. And once we really brought and started bringing in people to do asset management, construction management, it gave us time to focus on the things that we're good at, or I'm good at is finding deals and raising money, right? So, and then thankfully, you know, this is kind of by chance, it's uh, right timing, but one of the companies that my first employee came from, Colt, he was at a company and that company at that same time decided they were going to sell all of their units, they had around 20,000 units and they were winding down their portfolio. And I was able to take around 20 people from that company. And basically we weren't a startup, right? We had track record, they had track record. We had this whole, whole infrastructure now in place, institutional infrastructure that really gave us validity and a lot of trust in the community.
0: We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, And take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. In 2018, when you decided to hire out your first employee, how did you determine what was the first role that you needed to outsource to somebody on your team?
1: Well, that first role was asset management. And I think asset management, when you're first starting out, everything you're doing is, I need to find deals, right? Then I need to raise money. But now once you have few deals and you raise the money, what well, now what, right? So yeah, the property management company, this is a big deal. It was a 472 unit deal. It was in Atlanta where we didn't have, we weren't from there and we didn't have boots on the ground there so it was a big undertaking right a lot of renovation scope and it was just a little bit too much for me to handle and try to grow the business right so we made a conscious decision to say hey we need to bring someone else in who's really good at this right and the goal is is we want to do 20 more of these deals so we can't do this on our own it's time to bring in that next person to help grow and what i think is coincidental is the more people i hire the bigger the business gets Right. So I think a lot of people are afraid to take on that payroll. Right. But you've got to think of it as an investment into the company, you know, and and to yourself.
0: At what point in your business did you realize, you know, like you had mentioned, some people are afraid to outsource it and to take on the payroll, um, bring on other team members, incur those expenses. At what point did you decide that, hey, this is the right time for us? You know, it is an investment, but this is going to help us move forward.
1: Yeah. I think it was. That was also probably the same time where I decided I'm going to do this full time and I'm not going to do the other stuff and I'm going to dive into this. And then when we finally had our first institutional investor, it gave us a sense of confidence that we can go find good deals, raise money, right? And really grow this business and scale it. And we honestly have to, right? So if I'm going to do this full time the intention is not, we didn't want to do something small, right? We want to do something big. So the only way, and quite honestly, asset management is not my strong suit, right? So while well, I want to find people that are going to complement my weaknesses, and we did.
0: Which areas do you typically focus in when you're looking to acquire other properties? And are those the same areas that you're looking for acquiring in the future in the upcoming future here?
1: Yeah. So we started in Orlando and Tampa, and those have been by far two of the hottest markets in the country in the last few years. So those are markets we love. Florida in general. Atlanta is another market we really like. And they were, in, we're in Dallas. We're in Phoenix. We're in Vegas. We have bought in El Paso. Love all those markets. They're all growth markets. We're demographically driven, which is how we pick markets. You know, We're looking for job growth, population growth, rent growth, migration, etc. And so Southern Belt is really the same places where everyone else has been focusing for the last few years. We really like Salt Lake City, Denver, Nashville, the Carolinas, Albuquerque. So we're looking in those markets as well.
0: Got it. And so especially now looking towards continue growing, building up your business, scaling to the next level... How are you guys structuring if you're doing anything different at all within your business to achieve the goals that you've set out, especially in this environment right now with real estate, you know, interest rates rising, cap rates are changing every day, all this volatility that's kind of going on in the market. There's a lot of speculation that's going on. How are you hedging yourself for success this year and setting yourself up for future success?
1: Yeah, you know, oddly enough, we... A lot of people are pencils down right now, you know, and they're taking a wait and see approach. And I think, look, the volatility is basically, I think, around the capital markets, right? So I feel like cap rates are kind of people have an idea of what they want to pay, and you just don't know where the debt's going to come in these days, right? And I think a lot of buyers over the last, you know, year or so have been going towards uh, higher leverage, and you just can't get deals to pencil negative leverage these days. And I think, the way we're looking at things and trying to get deals to make sense is we are looking at 55 to 60% on the leverage, very low leverage, low risk, right? Going to the agencies. And look, the yield is going to be a little bit lower. I think investor expectations have to change because of the market and the interest rates go high. But we definitely don't want to be negative leverage and we want to be in a good place. I think in a time like this, debt has to be your friend. And when you look at, you know, the last cycle that got everyone in trouble, right? So I think you got to have friendly leverage.
0: Got it. When you first started and you're looking at real estate and you're seeing it as a path to create that passive income for yourself, creating that mailbox money to where you are today, has your outlook on finances, investing, real estate, has that changed significantly?
1: You know, this is what I do, right? I invest in real estate, right? And I think the only thing that I think would have changed is I want to do more of it versus the where, again, I had a cap in my mind and I love real estate, all sides of it, industrial, storage, self-storage. I think it's a great place to be putting your money. And it's obvious inflation hedge too, I think given where we are in the market right now and the demographics are strong, right? Especially in the markets that we're looking in, I think all the fundamentals of real estate are as strong as ever. And they're continuing to get better.
0: So where's your next focus now?
1: My next focus now is we're actually looking at getting into development. And I've done probably 20 single family homes on my own, just kind of spec homes. But we just put under contract some land in Orlando, and we are building 100 single family homes built to rent. So and hopefully, we'll start building some multi as well. And So in addition to the existing acquisitions, we want to start a a development arm as well.
0: Got it. that's pretty cool. So development is an entirely different beast.
1: A whole different animal.
0: So Zamir, how has real estate investing impacted your life so far?
1: It's changed my life completely. You know, I think mine, my family's, and it's brought me in front of just some really interesting people. And I think that's the best thing that you get out of this is the type of people that you get to meet. I mean, it is a people business, right? It's a relationship driven business. And on every side of the business and every aspect, whether it's brokers, lenders, investors, right? Sellers, other owners, you know, buyers, you just meet all walks of life and, you know, it's incredible.
0: And so if there's one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate investing, what would that be?
1: I think the one thing that sets the successful people apart, I would say, is it's a good question. I would say again I think it's the networking, right? Underwriting obviously is key, right? You have to be able to make the right assumptions. So I think underwriting is key, having the team is key, people around you, whether it's not it doesn't have to be people that you hire internally but whether they're advisors or people that you look to, right? I think there should be someone that has there's a checks and balances on what deals you do and then again just meeting people, right? I think the opportunities find you when you're out there, right? The most, the more time that you could put into it and the more effort into meeting people, I think the more great opportunities are falling into your lap.
0: So if you were to lose like everything today and you were to start from ground zero, and they said, go build up your real estate empire, build up your real estate portfolio again, what would be the first thing that you would do?
1: I would have figured out how to get creative financing and not buy deals all cash. And I wouldn't have bought a duplex. I would have, you know, <laughs> I would have went and bought a bigger building faster, given that time. And I would have bought everything, like literally everything I could have, you know, and probably not been as conservative given the timing that we were in the market. I think. Even then, it was a little scary to kind of put your foot to the gas and go pedal to the metal, just not knowing, right? Because I think people have been saying the market's going to change since 2015, right? It's mm-hmm. always, this is going to change. It never did. And it got better and better. So I think those would be the things that I would change.
0: Awesome. So am also, I really want to ask you too, like what continues to drive you and continue to push forward and building up? And you say you love real estate, but what adds fuel to your fire every day?
1: So I have a five-month-old baby girl now at home. So I would say my motivation prior to that was very selfish, doing things for myself. And now there's a real purpose. And so I would say she is my why, my family, you know? And look, I think just being better, I think every day, I think coming into this industry, again, not having the background and, you know, just, I feel like I've got something to prove. And again, provide for my family.
0: I love it. Samir, thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing all of your story with us. I love what you're doing in this space and you're not too far away. So we should definitely catch up one of these. Yeah, I'd love to.
1: I'd love to uh, meet up in person one of these days, grab a coffee or lunch. That'd be great. Thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. It was fun talking.
0: Thanks, Samir. Oh, and then if our listeners also wanted to find out more about you and your business, follow you, what you're doing, your journey, where's the best place that they can go?
1: LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me. So Zamir Kazi, I've got an Instagram too, Zamir Kazi. So either one of those.
0: Awesome, thank you, Zamir.
1: All right, thank you so much.
0: And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook. How did they do it, real estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Sayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Sayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.